Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about what I saw from the NBA G League Combine, the Combine itself, and just everything in between that we saw from the couple of days those events were hosted. And this all happened last week. You know, for some of you, you guys might have already heard a lot about what happened during the Combine games, and, you know, for, for others, maybe you don't, and that is the purpose for today's episode. So, there's so much I could talk about here. I mean, you had the NBA G League Combine, that was two days, two days worth of games, and then you had, right after that, the NBA Combine for two days, and, you know, then you also had some pro days splashed in there. Truthfully, I could talk about you know, each of those individual, the G League, the Combine, and then just some of the other stuff like the measurements, I could cut those into three separate episodes, but I truthfully don't want to do that because I feel like, you know, for some of you, you probably just want to hear about the Scotty Barneses of the world, the Kamingas. I totally get it, but there's also a lot of gyms in this class and I love discussing them. So I solely want to really talk about those today. I mean, because the way that these Combine games worked the top tier guys, like, you know, Kay Cunningham, why would he play when his stock is already guaranteed to be top one? You know, if, if the Pistons don't take him, I'm going to cry myself to sleep, but he's top two. Like, the Rockets would take him. Same goes with a guy like Jalen Green. Like, the top 10, you know, probably 14 guys, there's no reason for them to even suit up and play. They'll jump. They'll tell you what your vertical is. Then they're packing their bags and going to pre-draft workouts. You know, for the most part, these games, these scrimmages are with guys who have something to prove, guys who think their draft lottery stock can improve from a, you know, early second to a mid first rounder, guys who are seen as undrafteds. Now you're looking at them as early second round picks. So there's a lot of ground that can be covered. And there were a lot of people that impressed me. And that's why I said I could talk on and on. But I don't want to talk about, you know, the Keon Johnson's crazy vertical of his, the Thor's. I just want to talk about the participants we saw in game and kind of where I stand on all of those players. So I want to start things out by talking about the G League Combine, two days worth of that. And for me, there were three people who really stood out from the crowd. And, you know, for these G League games, the way it is, I believe for the actual draft combine... I forgot how many invites, but I know for the games, typically you're seeing like 10 to 12 man rosters and they purposely have it. So there are like four or five invites that are left blank. And what they do is they pick the top four or five guys. That's, you know, they get to that by having people, whether it's media scouts, they vote on who they want to continue to see. They bring those top four, top five, and they'll bring them to the real deal. But for most of the G league combine players, they are seen as fringe undrafted players. So they have to be going out there and dominating. They need to be dying for a second breath. And for me, I think there were three guys who really took the cake on this. And with this list, only one of the three I mentioned even made the cut to the next phase. So whether that's just me being an idiot or whatever the case may be, I'm just going to let it all loose. And to start things out, I think the most intriguing prospect that we saw from the G League Combine was EJ Onu, and he's a person who, 
pretty much has been on zero draft boards for a long time. So the fact he even got a shot at coming to the G League Combine was about, um, it was kind of a miracle. And I'm really, really happy they did that because it really helped to see where he kind of is at as a player. And when you look at the stats on paper, EJ Onu looks like one of the best centers in college basketball, right? He's six foot 11, seven foot six wingspan, and he's really good at, you know, getting around the floor. Ended up averaging 16 points, eight rebounds, and four blocks in his senior year. And before that, he was averaging damn near six blocks a game in his junior year. But um, obviously, if he was playing D1 basketball, everyone would know who EJ Onu is. He's not playing D1 basketball. He's playing for Shawnee State finished up four-year guy and now he's finally hitting the draft pool but he went into this and he had a lot of question marks attached and truthfully I don't know if anything got solved but I still really like him as a project player and I say that because when you look at what the Oklahoma City Thunder have they have the 55th pick in this draft that's where you take the flyers that's where you go after guys like a Kostas Antetokounmpo I remember when they took him out of Dayton it was uh I think it was like Mr. Irrelevant pick almost, and everyone was furious about it. Like the Malik Newmans, the, you know, the Billy Prestons, like those five-star guys that make it to the very end. That's where you take those shots, and I think EJ Onu is the perfect guy you should be targeting if you're taking a real pick at 55, not trying to waste things away with like a EuroLeague player uh, who won't come over. But with Onu... He came in, played two games, and he was not very impressive on the stat sheet. He ended up averaging three and a half points and four rebounds in those games, but he averaged three blocks. And that's what I love about EJ Onu. I'm definitely going to be talking about him when I'm mentioning steals later on, but just on a surface level, I mean, EJ Onu is one of the better shot blockers in this class, and you know, when you're looking at players, you know, when he's playing at Shawnee State, like he's not going to be playing top tier competition. So if you're 6'11 with a 7'6 wingspan, you should be getting those blocks. But it's not like people are just running into the rim. He just has to go up and block it. He had chase down blocks. He had blocks, you know, like moving blocks, standing blocks, whatever it is. He's very good at getting blocks. And he, the same thing translated over to the G League games. And I don't have it on tap because, you know, you don't really have sortable stats for two scrimmage games, but I'd have to think three set the bar for, you know, any participant. Three blocks a game is pretty ridiculous anyways, and you're not going to be going out there getting 30 minutes. Like, everyone's getting a clean cut, so it's probably averaging like 18, 20 minutes a game in that sample size, but it makes sense why he wasn't, you know, added onto the real draft combine because truthfully... Looking at numbers alone, he was one of the poorer guys that we saw, but the potential definitely outlasts anyone I saw in the G League camps, and that's no slight because I still think there's some solid players, but yeah, I mean, if EJ Onu was at the legit combine, man, it would have been really, really fun to see him, but he didn't get there. It's whatever, though, so that's kind of my take on Onu. I think that him... You know, being a project player would be perfect for the Thunder, and the way he was able to just get around the court, because he is very, very nimble for 6'11", and get some blocks was big for me. Another thing is his shooting potential, and he ended up averaging uh, on like 3.7 or 3.8 attempts per game with Shawnee State, averaged 40% from beyond the three-point line, and 
I don't have all the tape on him, but I'm assuming he was kind of shooting just shoot-around shots, right? But regardless, 40% for a 6'11 center who is amazing at rejecting shots, you got to take that into account. So he has the potential just beaming everywhere. And whenever I was searching up Onu, I saw something about the Celtics being interested. Whether that has any value to it, hell, I don't know. I think when that was posted, you still had talks about Brad Stevens being the head coach, right? So it was a little bit different at that time, but I still think there has to be attention towards him, especially since he was invited to this combine with um, just numbers, not even at the college level. There, there's some very good numbers though. Second guy I want to talk about is another center and it's Kofi Coburn. And if you guys watched college, ba college basketball last year, you know exactly who Coburn was. Like he was playing for Illinois they were just steaming right through the uh, the Big Ten and, and all that, right? And Coburn was damn near unstoppable. And in the Combine, he was pretty much still unstoppable. And he didn't get one of these spots to move on. I'm a little bit curious as to why, because he was one of the top players that they had to offer. And he showed it on paper too, but whatever. Seven-footer, and he went in there, did exactly what he's known for going inside back to basket big average 10 points in 9.5 rebounds across those two games and when i look at coburn i look at a guy like dakari johnson where coburn he's gonna be a dude who is gonna be extremely effective for whatever team in a g league system but outside of that i don't really know like i think just looking at the g league like I, I was watching all the the blue games right a guy like a moses brown someone like a yurt seven they're just dominant based off of strength and sheer size alone coburn brings that to the table he's a burly burly guy and i'd say johnson is like that as well when we got to Kari johnson i believe he was a freshman out of kentucky like he entered the draft and it seemed like a very dumb decision got picked in the second round and it could have been a dumb decision on his part he still got that nba contract though and now he's like playing in china or something right but he was dominant with the blue looked like a freaking all-star there damn near shaquille o'neal level in the g league and i think coburn does that for whoever the thing is with both Johnson and Coburn, they're so big and they're just straight back to the basket. How are you going to plug them into, you know, an NBA system? And with Dakari Johnson, you know, he's just very slow. Like he needs the ball. He needs to get entry passes into the post, especially for a team like the Thunder. I feel like the centers that you bring in need to be multi-versed. Like they can't just be this back to basket guy. You need someone who can pick and pop. 15 footers got to be money for them. To where you don't have centers that are just hiding and dropping back on screens and there's no penalty for it like sga needs some floor spacers obviously if you get a guy like coburn he's a second rounder he's an undrafted two-way guy and he's not going to be playing a ton with them anyways but still regardless i don't think you want to fill guys like that in because even at the on the bench like if maladone's going to be your bench guy or even ty jerome they still like tapping into you know the interior and kicking out like you want to have someone who can shoot the ball that's why i love a guy like onu and the potential he would have as opposed to a guy like coburn where right now he's very good just working inside but he doesn't really expand beyond there and he's going to get you the rebound so he even get you some blocks but 
I just don't know how he translates. Anyways, I just I just want to point him out because he was balling out. Like for the Thunder, sure, bring him in on the G League. You're gonna get a championship level team with with him. He can be a star for you. But I just don't know uh, when you look at the next level of things and. You know, like five years ago, Coburn's a no-brainer draft pick. Ten years ago, hell yeah, Kofi Coburn's an easy, easy draft pick. But the way the game is trending, I don't know. I think Coburn could get phased out a bit, and we'll have to see what happens draft day. Like I said, I feel like he should have been invited, and with the media, maybe it's not even media. Maybe it's just scouts and people working at actual organizations. Um, Like, if they didn't want Coburn in there... It's probably due to the fact they just don't like the, the game play, like the way he plays. Maybe I'm just going on a tangent there, but Coburn was great. Um, we'll see what happens with him. I do think he's a G League monster. I just don't know about um, you know what he'd look like in a Thunder jersey, right? And another dude who's kind of like that for me is Dwayne Washington Jr. And he was surprising. Now, he actually got a bid to the NBA draft combine and he still was pretty effective he was putting up numbers but I don't know exactly how he'd fit with us I just still like him as a prospect right and he's a six foot three guard out of Ohio State and the two games he played averaged 15 and a half points and one and a half steals now I just left out the actual NBA combine stats I just want to hone in on what he did in the G League games and what he showed was he was the top shot creator that was there he was going out and you know he's just balling all three levels he was hitting moving mid-ranges three-point shots like it was nothing has a beautiful arc on the basketball and I think the release is extremely fluid as well so he can shoot the lights out I think he could translate over to the G leagues when you look at the thunder though um I think we're already set at the guard position so even if you get a guy like Washington he's trending to the point where I even think like a mid-second rounder would make sense for him because before it would have looked foolish for him not to pull out of this draft it seemed like going back to play for the Buckeyes was a no-brainer now I think he already got an agent so he's locked and loaded but I think he's like a mid second round guy and if he goes into that top of the second round I don't know if I'd touch him he's just one of those interesting pieces where you look at him now and he's showing the seeds of shooting the basketball you wonder where he is in the next five years you know so Dwayne Washington did stick out to me. I just don't know, um, you know, exactly where he'd be with us. Same goes with Coburn, where it's like not a slight. I just feel like it's the wrong organization for them. And that's what I said with a guy like Omer Yurt7 before he signed with the Miami Heat. Like, he is great, but I don't know if he fits exactly what the Thunder are doing. So you can still be a very good player, but sometimes just don't fit the mold for for what the thunder could use and this is all my opinion so i could sound like an absolute idiot but it is what it is anyways those are my top three guys from the g league combine i want to talk about the actual nba combine as well and i think there might have been like a gap day between the g league and the nba doesn't really matter that much but you had everybody going in here you had the guys like the jt thors like the uh, how am i forgetting like freaking lottery level talent i'm an absolute idiot but the guys like keon johnson and uh the guys like scotty barn sure even kuminga i think kuminga did a pro day 
but whatever. You had a lot of guys going in and out of the facilities, but only some of them got to play in the actual games. And like I said before, it's because they want to improve their draft stock. And when I was going through this, I was extremely excited because I think Isaiah Todd was actually listed to play in one of these games. And maybe JT Thor was. I think JT Thor was listed uh, early on. He got pulled out of the roster sheets pretty quickly. But Isaiah Todd was listed to play for like Team 4 or something. And it was Team 3 or Team 4. But he was listed to play. And I was super excited to see him up and running. Now, he never played, so I guess he just decided right beforehand, I'm good. Maybe he's got some sort of promise. Maybe he thinks he's already trending up. I really love Isaiah Todd, and that was the guy I wanted to see play. We did not get to see him, and maybe that's a good thing because I think if Isaiah Todd got to play in the lottery games or the combine games, he would have gone from a mid-second round talent to now the Houston Rockets are trying to poach him off at pick 24, right? Like, he's that dude. He's a top 30 talent in this draft class. I'm going to say that right now. I don't care whatever flack I get. Easy first round grade from me. Uh, easy steal. I'd love to see him in a Thunder jersey, uh, you know, if we can pick him up in the first, um, I guess, 35 and 36. Either of those two picks work with me. But um, yeah, we didn't see him. And another guy that I was really excited to watch was Max Asmus. Yeah, um, he was one of the poorer players in the games. I feel like his stock actually probably went on the decline a little bit because with him, you want to see him as just this absolute gunslinger, slinger, shooting it from midcourt kind of what Ty Jerome has been doing for us now and he's like 5'10 he he measured you know as the smallest guy I think the same goes with hands wingspan all around he was just very short so you need to make up for it and that's with just being a straight up star and he was missing threes I don't even remember him hitting one and it was very sad because when you got Acemus hitting one three, he's not going to stop it's a pop a shot for him but he never got the ball rolling and I really hope He's still able to get some good workouts in for some of these teams because he has some talent, no doubt about it, but he didn't get to kind of get in that spotlight, but another dude who's been known to be a gunslinger got put on full display and he is rising up the boards, no doubt, and this is a guy who I don't think I mentioned when I was talking with Hunter and Clemente uh, about a week ago, but he's been very high. Um on my board and I didn't realize how low people were rating him and I'm talking to Sean Bones Highland out of VCU whenever ESPN was doing their coverage but it would show like the draft express rankings he was outside the top 60 he's outside the top 60 on ESPN unless they changed it and even a guy like a JT Thor listed outside the top 60 and ESPN they finally, I think they update their crap like once a month. It's hilarious, but they finally updated it. Thor went from like pick 70 or some crap to now 33. It's wild how they do things. But yeah, like you got a guy like Highland has just been completely under the radar and he glistened. I think he only had to play one game too, which is a really smart decision by him because he checked all the boxes and was clearly the top guy 
in the NBA Combine games. And he ended up scoring 17 points, had six rebounds, and had four assists in the contest. Shot seven of 11 and three of five from downtown. And if you guys have never watched Nashawn Bones Highland clips, that's cool. Like, I do not blame you at all. But I'm telling you right now, he's a guy that everyone is going to be raving about come draft day. He is the Tyrell Terry of this draft class. And whenever we had Tyrell Terry, remember last year, every single person in the 20s, they wanted to take Tyrell Terry. And, you know, this is obviously like NBA Twitter, so take it as you will. But everybody loved him. Everybody thought he was the steal of this class, and they could have seen him right now being one of the best rookies. And he got put on the Mavs, took him at 31. He's kind of just been sitting there. Like, he had some very good G League games, but he's just kind of been sitting there. But the big deal with Tyrell Terry is he got all his draft hype like immediately before the draft. And that's what's going to happen with Highland. There's no doubt about it. This is just the first win with him. But anyways, playing for VCU, they got, you know, knocked out of the March Madness tourney because of COVID. Really sucky for them. But if he was playing, he wouldn't have probably even had to do this. Like, he would have been a first-round grade probably. But anyways, I say he's like a Tyrell Terry because he's going to get that hype. But also the play style. This guy can gun it from 30 feet deep he can pull up take it on the move he is going to stick those shots he is a bucket getter from all three levels of the floor and to make things even better he's very good handling the basketball and he is an extremely good passer he had some plays in the lane where he takes someone one-on-one iso get two steps on him and then kick the ball out like on the money perfect needle threading passes didn't even have to look on some of them he was playing street ball in this game and you know he was also doing just step back threes like i said off the move people were comparing him to emmanuel quickly after this game too and that's also a fair comparison i've said tyrell terry i think that a really close relative to terry is actually quickly and quickly he was a late first last season too hell the thunder even took him and then you know because it's all stupid technically we took him and then we had to trade him to the new york knicks right but yeah he got picked late first and he is killing it for the new york knicks one of their biggest bright spots on the roster he is able to get everything open in the mid-range he can handle and he can shoot it from downtown highland can do that for you when i'm looking at him right now i'm gonna need to um to actually search up his height you know i should probably have that but yeah, I mean, when you're looking at him, he's a six foot three guard. Really doesn't play that way. Like he plays a lot taller than that. But yeah, I, I think he's kind of along the lines of what we have with like a Ty Jerome or something right now. Terry quickly. He's good. He's very, very good. So he's not this second round talent. He's a top 30 guy. Just like I said with Isaiah Todd, I am sold on Nashawn Bones Highland. And for all the little draft junkies here, everyone knew that Bones Highland was the man. I know that um Hoops Intellect, I don't know if he's done a video on him, but they, you know, he, I remember seeing tweets like he was super hyped up. A lot of other people were too. But keep him in the back of your head cuz he was killing it. Another dude who I thought was very very good was Jericho Sims from Texas. And Jericho 
I hated him. You know, I've hated him for the last two months because in the Big 12 championship game, he had to tear the Cowboys up to shreds. They don't have a center. Cowboys didn't have one. Well, the Longhorns sure as hell did, and it was in Jericho Sims. He's an upperclassman, but he's a very, very good one. Six foot ten, already 22 years old, but damn, he can fly. He had some plays where he was going up for alley-oops. His head was damn near at the rim or looking over the rim. I think vertical, his vertical was like 44 inches or something. I might, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Keon Johnson with 48 inches. That's a record. Second place, Jericho Sims, 44 and a half inches. If you were to tell me he was the second best vertical leaper in the class, I would laugh at you. You look at the guys. Now, we don't have measurements from someone like a Jalen Green, of course, but he was still jumping out the damn gym regardless. Look at a guy like Scotty Barnes. You guys have all seen him fly. He he can put on the jet. He can fly up there, but he had a 39.5 inch vertical and even some other people that can, you know, jump up high, they weren't even cracking near him. So Jericho Sims, he was a beast and the vertical, that was all I needed from him. He completely sold me in his games and he had like one game that mattered to me shot like five of six think he had 11 points but then he also had a game where he shot nine of 13 had 18 points and six rebounds and that was also the one where he flew up and uh and got that alley oop dunk but he's someone that i think you would want to bring in for you know a g league spot for sure and just kind of check up on him because He's one of those more intriguing centers we have in this draft class. The way he goes up athletically is very hard to find at the center position. Now, when you look at him as a shooter, you're not really sold on him. Like, he is still raw, but he showed good defensive presence at Texas. He has really good interior ability. I think you could plug him in and see just where he works. I don't know if you take a pick with him. He's more that like late second round type. But now, actual like the the main media outlets are also thinking that Jericho Sims can get picked. And for me, I saw him as undrafted until I saw this. So I'm on the same boat as them. But yeah, Jericho Sims, he has become the real deal in a lot of people's minds, including mine. Another guy who I thought was very impressive was Josh Christopher. And this is a dude who actually also played with Ace Miss, played with a lot of great players. Like, you know, if you guys didn't watch, I'll let you know. They had four teams. Team four in this NBA combine was about 10 times better than all the rest of them. I don't know how they balanced out those teams, but they needed a nerf immediately. They never did it. And it led to guys like Josh Christopher, you know, just being able to take over. Everybody got their chances on that roster. And there were so many guys that you couldn't hone in on one because then you could just kick it off to the next guy and he'd drum out 10 points in like two minutes. And Christopher was one of those players. He was a microwave for that team. He had a 16.8 rebound game. And I think he had another one where he's a little bit quieter, but truthfully it did not really matter he was crushing it and he's just like what i mentioned kind of with the highlands kind of like a Dwayne washington he is a fluid shot creator 
off the move and Josh Christopher this is a guy who whether even like if you watched him or didn't watch him you probably heard his name before and that's because he's one of these like ball is life products where he's been in media for like five years he's been seen as a top pro like top prospect five star all over the place and now he's hitting the draft as a first round grade now whether it's a late first that's kind of the consensus he might have bulked up to like a mid to late or yeah mid mid teens first round pick i guess that's where i'd probably slot him at now but yeah he's a six foot five shooting guard guess you could call him a wing but um yeah i mean he had a little bit of a subpar season with the arizona sun devils arizona state sun devils i don't know why i didn't mention that but Averaged 14.3 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 1.4 assists with them. Shot right above 30% from three with them. Um, but he can also really go up there and dunk. So that's one thing. Main thing with Josh Christopher, though, is you want to see him as a three-level scorer. And there were some other guys kind of like Christopher where they kind of moved up just based off potential. Joshua Primo kind of comes to mind with me. But with Christopher, he was going off in that 16 point game where he was just popping it from mid-range from the three and even on defense he was hustling for every single loose ball and that's one of the biggest things in this combine if you're not working your tail off everybody in the room is going to be writing your name down because this isn't like an open nba game this isn't a summer league game where you can have fans pop in this is a combine where everybody in attendance they got a notepad out, and they're scribbling down everything. They're getting paid to watch you play basketball. And if you're out there not going back on transition, playing lackluster offense, just not getting involved, you're going to get written up, and that's going to hurt your future chances. I don't think that's a concern with Josh Christopher at all. Like I said, he was going for every single loose ball, trying to get on the action on just anything possible. And I think that really goes a long way in terms of draft evaluation and the potential that's really the wave you're riding and that's how it works with everything like you could add two games where bones highland couldn't score a bucket and you'd still see him as that late second round guy but off that one game hell could he be a first rounder now it's actually a possibility in my opinion and that's just that's just how the combine works and you gotta prove yourself i think josh christopher did that so he's definitely an athlete you want to see him kind of tap into the three levels scoring though and that is a player that i think could be very valuable as a bench piece you always need those microwaves josh christopher has the tools to be doing that now if i was you know picking like at 16 or 18 i wouldn't really think about christopher i think there's a lot more kind of potential guys like there's a lot higher ceilings than christopher at that area but he definitely has a ceiling where he can be a bucket getter he can put up 10 plus points a game for you and one of the things with him is that he is just he's known to be a shot you know he, he likes taking shots and one of the turnoffs in the combine is people hogging the ball whenever you're looking at players you want to take you're looking at guys who can fill into your system christopher is one of those guys who kind of shatters that he wants to be able to take his own shots and he's like the diallo types where he can get cold and he'll keep shooting it you don't want to see that with him but he can also have those games where he gets on fire we got to see that on display when i look past josh christopher there's also another guy that really comes to mind with me as well 
And that's Isaiah Mobley. What do you know? He also was on team number four. And for him, I kind of look at him as like a Jonte Porter. And if you don't know who Jonte Porter is, think of Michael Porter Jr. And they were in the same draft class. Jonte is actually the older brother, I believe, of Michael. But they went in there. A lot of injury history, so it's a bit different. Like Mobley, that's not a concern of his at all. But you had Michael go in. He got picked 13th. Jonte, nothing. He got picked up. think the Grizzlies might have him right now. But he's a stretch big who has a little bit of skill inside. I see that with Mobley. And also, a little bit of shades of passing with him and rebounding. So he kind of has that form of Evan. But he's kind of just that distant shadow right now. Like, no one's talking about Isaiah Mobley. All, All everybody knows is Evan and how he's a damn unicorn. Isaiah Mobley could be a very good pickup in the second round because he does have that archetype. Now he's older, but maybe you can still work with him and get him into a solid bench role. And he took over in the second game he ended up having with his team. Went out there and he ended up dropping 18 points, had four rebounds, and had five steals. It was just like Josh Christopher, where you're just going up there and trying to rip the ball loose. The same game, by the way, Christopher had three of these. But yeah, I mean, Isaiah Mobley was far and away the biggest pickpocket you had out there. And he was also just going for every single loose ball. But offensively, that's where I really highlighted him because he is a guy that comes in and he's supposed to be a spark plug, that stretch player. Shot 7 of 10 in this game and went 3 of 5 from downtown. If you can get him up to those numbers where he's shooting upper 30s from distance, he's going to fill in as a role player for you. I don't know if starting potential is really there with him, but he's definitely going to be a guy you can filter in, and that's why I love him. With that being said, though, yeah, I mean, the shooting is still a bit of a question mark, and you may be thinking I'm an idiot, because if you look at his stats from USC, I mean, he ended up shooting 44% from distance this past year, and he shot 1.2 attempts per game. Mobley didn't shoot a lot either, and everyone's raving about the shooting. When I look at Isaiah Mobley, I actually really like him as a shooter, but I don't know if you completely take him out. Like, I think maybe he might drop down when he hits the next level. He'd still be a solid shooter, though. Anyways, the reason I'd say that is because his free throw percentages, and he only shot 55% from the line this past year on three and a half attempts. And in his freshman year, because he's one year older than Evan, I'm hyping it up like he's like four years older, just a year older. But anyways... I mean, in the previous season, he shot 29% from three, and he shot 52% from the line. So not a lot of improvement from the foul line. You need to see that. That's how you really figure out the trajectory. And when I look at a guy like Mobley, I think of a guy like a Melvin Frazier Jr. when he was with Tulane, because Melvin Frazier, he had that breakthrough year. I think it was, maybe he came out as a junior, but he started out as one of these guys where he could not shoot well at all from three and the foul line was a a major major hurting point of his and he ended up leaving the draft going to the draft as a 40 percent three-point shooter and like a 72 percent player from the foul line currently melvin frazier jr is like a low 30s three-point guy like i'll I'll say 34 percent that's not bad for isaiah mobley um but I mean, that's just a little bit of those questions that can arise based off of like free throw. 
I would like him as a flyer, and I'm always talking about these second-round guys. That's really all we saw in these games. Like, not a lot of first-round talent was willingly going out there trying to perform. But, um, yeah, I think for a guy like Mobley, I don't know exactly where his stock would be at currently. I don't know where I've seen his name, like, in many big boards. But I'd love to see him in an OKC blue uniform, try him out, see if you can get him into the actual system with the Thunder. And, I mean, look... I don't really know if the Oklahoma City Thunder are trying to contend next year. Like, uh, uh, scratch that. We know they're not. Like, their roster, let's say we run out with picks 6, 16, and 18. Those are going to be projects, second-round projects. Let's say we trade Kemba for Przingis. Still, we got just a pallet full of projects. I don't know why you'd be hunting for a play-in. So, I still think you'd kind of be in that mode where you want to try to use all 15 players of the roster. Whether you can actually do that, I don't know, but it's definitely a lot looser and up for interpretation when you get to the four and five because we're a lot more heavy at the guard spots right now. I'd like to take a look at Isaiah Mobley, 21 years old. He would be 22 years old by next year's tip-off time, so I guess he is a little bit older, but yeah, I mean, I like him, so I'm curious to see what will happen. with Mobley stock and whether the Thunder would like to interview him because he does seem like a guy that would make sense for Presty to at least take a little bit of a gaze at. Now, when you look past those four guys that I listed, there's still some other gyms like McCurr Maker for sure. You know, he is the younger brother of Thon Maker, obviously. He's a seven footer, has the wingspan. Played for Howard, but was hurt all year long. So I think he played like two games. You can't really grade much of that crap at all, right? Like James Wiseman played two games or something. And I don't know. Make it as you will. Wiseman's not terrible, but he's a project maker. He's a guy that's kind of seen as that late round flyer. And he's one of the more higher upside guys you could find in the second round. Now, I wasn't entirely impressed with him. I think as a ball handler, he's pretty fast at his height. Thon is like that too. And Thon was seen as an MVP, at least by guys like Mike Corzemba or whatever. I don't really know if he's met those expectations. But yeah, he's also just a G League project. You see what you can do. A lot more people. I could talk all day about it, but I might leave that all for another episode. For the higher you know, lottery guys and what their measurements were, I'll discuss that at a later time. If there's any particular person you'd want me to talk about, just make sure to DM me. You guys can find me at Ben Kreider, just got to type in my name on Twitter, or you can do it through the pod Twitter, at ThunderstickPod, and you guys can also find all these other wonderful podcasts in the Basketball Podcast Network, doing at HoopsPodNet. Got a great selection for you all in time for the playoffs. You guys can listen to all the hype. Just saw the Suns kind of slip from 3-1, have the Sun solar panel on there. You guys can listen to them and their thoughts after falling. See uh, see if they think the Suns will choke, lose the last two games, and, you know, that'd be that. Hopefully that does not happen, though, because I want to see a little bit more of Chris Paul and Cameron Payne. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.